Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today here at the Safety and Health Magazine webcast sponsored by Foghorn. We're going to let our audience settle in for just a minute or two, and we'll start the presentation in about a minute. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast, The Power of Video and AI, Creating Insights to Optimize Health and Safety, sponsored by Foghorn. My name is Barry Botino, and I'm an Associate Editor at Safety and Health. I'll be moderating today's event. We'd like to thank you all for joining this webinar today. Before we get started, I have a few housekeeping items to share with all of our attendees today. As a disclaimer, the views of today's speaker and organization are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the council or the magazine endorses those items. After today's presentation, we'll conduct a question and answer session with our speaker. To ask a question, just click the Q&A button, which is located at the bottom of your screen. Type in your question and press the send button. You can ask your question at any time at all during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the Q&A to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but we might not get to every question today. The good news, however, is that all unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speaker. After this presentation, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey, excuse me, but I'll tell you more about that a little bit later. This webcast will be archived so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com events, or you'll also receive a link in our post-event email. With that, let's introduce our presenter today. With us is Matt King, who serves as Global Industrial Manager for AI Solutions at Foghorn. Matt's expertise is in the development of new innovative solutions in emerging technology spaces. He began working at Foghorn in 2016, and he has helped the company become a leader in edge AI, bringing transformative solutions to Fortune 500 industrial companies. Again, we thank you all for joining us today for this presentation. And Matt, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Hey, good morning or good afternoon for some folks. Hey, Barry, are you able to hear me? You're loud and clear, Matt, thank you. Excellent, excellent. So, I guess start first. We'll uh, start off by saying, you know, welcome. Um, thank you so much for joining, and um, you know, look forward to having a conversation with you this morning uh, or this afternoon, and then hopefully going through some of your questions. Um, wanted to start off with uh, with just this quotation: If a picture is worth a thousand words, 
a video is worth a thousand censors. Um, I think our COO, Chris Penrose, uh, he at least is the person I'm aware who said this to me. I don't know who the uh, original quote is attributed to, but it really makes you think, right? Um, we think about safety in the workplace. There are just so many opportunities for things to go wrong. <laughs> I think the good news for a lot of these things, though, is if there were someone around taking a look at what was going on, um, there's a high likelihood that some of these incidents could have been prevented. And when we start thinking about, you know, cameras and video and AI, that intersection between these really, really powerful AI algorithms and the ability to feed, you know, real live streaming video into them provides us this great opportunity to be able to catch and stop a lot of these, you know, costly, dangerous, sometimes even life and death incidents before they happen. So if we look at the screen, things as trivial as, hey, are they wearing a, a mask? Uh, maybe this is in a chemical setting. Maybe this is just in a COVID setting, right? Are they wearing flame-resistant clothing? Is a piece of machine leaking? Is that person that's on scaffolding wearing a harness? Um, these are really kind of simple, common sense ways of monitoring your workplace to make sure that, you know, that unthinkable bad incident doesn't happen. And it's at that intersection of video and AI that being able to prevent these bad outcomes exists. And of course, it's at the intersection of video and AI that a company like Foghorn, which I'm representing today, exists. For those of you who are newer to the idea of AI, it's really all about being able to take an input and being able to produce a very smart output. The simplest example that I'm sure we're all familiar with is, and uh, I, I cringe doing this because I don't want to trigger anyone's phone, but if I say something to our good friend Siri, um, if I ask her a question, she's pretty good at giving a response. Um, and that's really what AI is, right? It's the ability to have, uh, to engage with the model and the model to put out an output that makes sense. Now, in the context of what we're talking about today, what we're talking about is putting in a video feed as an input. Let's take a really simple example. Let's take a workplace where there's the PPE requirement that you have to be, you have to wear a hard hat. And maybe we've got a camera up at an entrance and we're monitoring people as they walk in. Well, the input to this AI would be, hey, is this person wearing a hard hat? Let's look at the video feed. The model would say yes or no. And the output of that could be something as, um, as harmless as just a, hey, you know, we just detected someone's not wearing a hard hat to something as involved as, hey, this person isn't wearing a hard hat. Now that door is locking and they can't get in. So when we talk about video AI solutions today, that's really exactly how it works. We set up a video camera. That camera sends a feed over to the AI software and the software figures out what's going on and then does something about it. And in the context of today, like we discussed, that does something about it can be an alert. It can be something that could shown visually, maybe on a dashboard. It can even control 
um, a piece of software or a piece of hardware. So let's go a little bit deeper on this intersection and application of video and AI as it relates to workplace health and safety. Now, you know, if you're, you know, just a common person walking down the street reading the news, um, in the COVID world, OSHA has become something that, uh, that we're all pretty familiar with um, as it relates to what's going to be safe uh, as we try to go back to work um, in the midst of and hopefully towards the tail end of a pandemic, right? But the reality is that OSHA has always been a very important, uh, very important organization for folks that are in this, uh, this safety space. Um, and there's just there's so many different measurements that have been taken. But the reality is that there is a tremendous amount of cost of any type of safety incident that happens in the workplace. And, you know, the title of the slide, Health and Safety is Good Business, as you know, there are people that their entire career is trying to enforce, you know, good health and safety practices and culture within the organization. And historically, we've really focused on, you know, injury and risk prevention, right? Sometimes it's about wearing PPE. Sometimes it's about um, interacting with big, heavy, dangerous machinery um, in a safe way. And sometimes it's about, you know, processes like, the making of chemicals where there's inherent risk in the process. And it's all about maintaining these best practices for the rest of the world. As COVID has kind of taken over um, the idea of wearing a mask and of, you know, not showing up to the workplace sick and, you know, vaccination. These are all things that um, have come up. And, uh, you know, we think about when we see, uh, when we see those letters, uh, OSHA. Um, the question really becomes, we know health and safety is really, really important. And we know that there's probably a lot of best practices that have been put in place today. Um, but how do we enforce those? How do we, how do we ensure that those best practices are actually being followed? Um, in other words, how are we monitoring compliance? Um, we've heard about, you know, situations where, you know, there's spot monitoring. Maybe there's people watching other people as they walk in the front entryway. Uh, sometimes it's about creating a culture of people holding themselves accountable. And these are all really, really good things that speak to the culture of the organization. But what we're finding is that, you know, video and AI can play a really, really critical role in all of this. And, and the reality is that even for people that, you know, in their hearts want to do a, a perfect job following the rules, there seems to always be room for some level of, of improvement. And, you know, as we talk through COVID um, and things like walking into the workplace with a fever, sometimes people will unknowingly put their coworkers at risk. Um, and again, no malice in their hearts. They're just doing something that they're not even aware of. So this idea of being able to have this additional layer of video and AI becomes really, really critical. Now, for purposes of today's discussion, you know, I am representing a company called Foghorn. We're the leader in edge and AI, and we will talk about that term edge a little bit later in the presentation. But we have a whole portfolio 
of solutions that are really exactly as we've described at this point. They're solutions that leverage a video camera and an AI model that we've built um, on top of numerous examples of customer data. And these solutions are available today and can be shipped to you with the computers and the cameras and the software already running. So for those of you who you know, have dabbled in AI a little bit, you'll know that it's great to buy products like Siri and Nest and, and a Ring doorbell, products that are already packaged up. You also might know that if you're looking to create a custom or a brand new AI model, that can be a little bit of a lengthier process. Um, for the purposes of today's discussion, everything that we're going to talk about are things that have really already been built and are already kind of in the box, ready to ship to you. It's uh, you know as easy as you know walking down the street and buying something at the store. It's all ready to go. And when we say all ready to go, there's a lot of components to that. The most obvious one is the AI model, right? That's already been built. The same way when you get your iPhone, Siri is, is already ready to go, is, is ready to talk to you. Um, these models are already built. But it's not enough just to have this kind of um, nebulous AI model. There's a lot of pieces that go into having a solution. Things as, as trivial as a, a setup GUI where a person can, can click through uh, what pieces of uh, safety are important to them. Things like dashboards so that you know, immediately you can have both a real-time and a historical representation of what's going on. And then a number of different types of, of preset outputs from the ability to very quickly send email and text message alerts um, to even customized reporting options. All these are available in the solutions that we talk about today. So it's not this you know, academic idea of an AI model. It's a fully-fledged end-to-end uh, -end solution uh, of which AI is a big, big part of. So when we talk about today, you know, what are the really, you know, really interesting components and things that we're looking to, to take a look at as it relates to worker safety? There's probably two major areas. Um, one would be PPE, right? Personal protective equipment. Um, depending on the industry I'm in, things like hard hats and flame-resistant clothing, eyewear-like goggles, steel-toed boots, vests, gloves. These are the types of PPE that can be really, really important. And, you know, sometimes this can be life or death. Sometimes this can be injury avoidance. Um, but these are the types of PPE that become really, really critical and that safety managers are looking to create a culture around you know, you have to wear these. Um, you know, your supervisor will hold you accountable. Your coworkers will hold you accountable. And now AI becomes, you know, an additional set of eyes, an additional voice in the room to make sure that that's happening. And as it relates to PPE, it's all about, number one, being able to know in real time what's going on. So if there's going to be a bad event, it would not be helpful to know tomorrow that we were really, really lax on wearing PPE today. Because if something's gonna happen and you know I'm supposed to wear my, my cut-proof gloves and I don't, well, it, it's great to go back and do diagnostics on that, but really what I want to have done 
is to know right away someone's not wearing a glove and actually stop that incident before it happens. And that's one of the things that AI in real time at the edge can do. Now, um, there's also this idea of wanting to look back on things. And the idea of a historic dashboard, which we'll show you later, gives you a sense of PPE violations over time. And, you know, that can really speak to, you know, we're talking to these PPE and safety requirements. Is this becoming culture? Is this sinking in or am I just kind of droning on here? Now I get some actual evidence and data uh, to see how well that, that's absorbing. The other big area that we'll talk about today is around, you know, workplace safety hazards. And as I'm sure you're aware of, hazards is a, it can be broad and it can be, it can mean different things to different industries. Things like um, spillage, leakage, tripping, putting your hand too close to a dangerous cutting object. You know, these are examples of different types of hazards. And again, a lot like PPE, there's both this idea of real-time and historical knowledge. If someone is in real time operating a dangerous cutting machine in an unsafe manner, that's not a conversation I wanna have with him tomorrow or next week or next month. That's a conversation I wanna have right now, right? And you know, the same way someone can tap me on the shoulder if something's going wrong, I want that AI solution to tap me on the shoulder right now so I can do something about it. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I might be preventing, um, you know, uh, millions of dollars of, of, of liability, of insurance. Um, I may be protecting a life, right? Who knows? In the example of kind of taking a look at a historical view, again, it really comes down to, you know, is, is my workplace safety culture improving? Is it in a good place? Um, I remember isolated incidents really, really well. But what does the data tell me over time, right? And, you know, these types of solutions can give you both that, that short-term and that long-term perspective. So, again, as it relates to, to BPE, it's all about, you know, with these different types of hazards, um, or pardon me, these different types of wearables, hard hats, masks, flame-resistant clothing. Um, at Foghorn, we're, we're building out a full portfolio of these. And you know, we would love to talk to you about what's available today, what's on the roadmap, and maybe there are some types of PPE that are not common that, uh, that we can talk about adding to the portfolio. Um, now, hazards is a little bit more, shall we say, segmented. So, you know, we have in the, in the uh, library today great solutions for things like you know, being in a safe area relative to a crane. Um, we've done things like making sure that people on scaffolding um, are wearing harnesses, uh, particularly if they're above ground, right? Different types of leak detection and spill detection and trip detection. If someone left an object on the ground for a long period of time, um, someone should, should maybe be alarmed uh, about that before something happens. So there's already this library of great kind of custom hazards that we've built with our customers. And we're always looking to expand that library. So if you want to come to us with, um, you know, your own type of, of hazard, your own type of thing you're looking to avoid or mitigate in the workplace setting, then that is something that can be built on a custom basis. And it can be a very much a symbiotic relationship. 
where, you know, your workplace gets safer and, you know, our ability to deliver those types of solutions improves. Now, we are, and I've had to change my nomenclature uh, or change my story a little bit in the last, you know, few weeks to months as the CDC has started to, uh, to recommend masks again. But, you know, we've had a COVID-19 health monitoring solution in the marketplace for, um, for about a year. And, you know, as folks have gone back to work, are going back to work, uh, or maybe a little bit in between, um, this has been a really, really popular solution for us. And, and really exactly like we've described with the worker safety solutions, the COVID solution is also camera-based and gives you the ability with both a real-time and a historical feed to take a look at your employees uh, and the scenarios that they might be in that could point to um, a COVID-19 risk. Now, a lot of these are pretty easy to understand. Temperature detection. Using a thermal camera, when your folks come in through the front door, do they have a fever? Do they have a very, very high temperature? Well, if they do, um, we're probably not going to want to let them inside and put your other employees at risk of fever. Sometimes you can literally want to, to shut a uh, shut badge access off, to shut a door. Sometimes it's, hey, you know, we, we want to rescreen you in a few minutes, but until we get a low temperature, we don't want you going inside. Um, other applications as it relates to COVID include things like social distancing. Are we staying six feet apart? If we don't know that uh, everyone's vaccinated, then certainly that becomes very, very important. Cough detection is someone <clears throat> a lot in a short period of time. And mask detection, which obviously masks have a place um, not only uh, in historical kind of worker safety, but now it uh, sounds like the CDC is recommending that if we're indoors, they want us to, to mask up again. I live in California and in the Bay Area, that is now, uh, that is now a requirement. So I've talked a lot about the solutions. Sometimes, uh, you know, we started with a picture is worth a thousand words. So to give you a sense of, of what these solutions look like, these are, you know, real-time dashboards that you can take a look of. And I'll remind you that the output of this solution can be dashboards. It can be real-time alarms and text messages. It can even be controlling machines. But we think dashboards probably give the best example of, um, of what this all looks like. So as you can see, here are some PPE monitoring dashboards. Um, we're taking a look, in this case, uh, hard hats, and I believe this is flame-resistant clothing. And the dashboard's giving you a real-time view of how many PPE violations are happening in a set period of time. So if you have you know, a safety manager on site, they can be tracking this in real time and having conversations with the relevant folks as it comes up. Now, there's also this idea, like we said, of the historical view. This is a centralized dashboard that's aggregating, in this case, PPE violations over time. And when you get a count of these in a, in a certain time window, this starts giving you the data you need to say, hey, do we have a safe culture or do we not? What are we trending towards? Are we having fewer of these violations than we had yesterday or last week or last month or last year? This dashboard gives you the ability to really have the data on this and not have it be so anecdotal. Um, and we think about what does it take 
to configure an AI solution. Um, a lot of us have kind of these scary ideas of, you know, these AI data scientists having to come in and build these models. But in the case of the out-of-box solutions that we're talking about today, these models, these dashboards, this workflow, the hardware, it's all kind of all right there, ready to go at your fingertips. And really the only type of customization that you may need to do is not pay a Silicon Valley data scientist, you know, $1,000 an hour to build this for you. It's really, hey, what are the types of PPE that are meaningful to me? And, you know, maybe throw up some examples, some picture examples of what my PPE looks like, because maybe your hat looks a little bit different than, you know, the hat of the factory next door. And that's really it. It's all done through point and click and through a graphical interface. That's really what we're talking about when we talk about calibration. Now, in the example of the COVID-19 um, fever detection, um, temperature detection solution, there's no calibration necessary. You plug in the camera, plug in the computer, good to go. Now, speak of the devil, this is, um, this is that exact solution. So as you can see, you know, you've got multiple people, they're walking in simultaneously, and they're getting their temperature read at the same time. So I'm sure you've, uh, you know, in the last, you know, year, have walked into a, a store or a restaurant, and they maybe had a queue, and you've got a little, you know, temperature gun you bought at CVS, and someone's taking these temperatures one by one. Well, with this solution, uh, the, the elevated body temperature solution, it's multiple people walking in. It's real-time temperature measurements. We're talking in the millisecond time frame, and there's no need for this big queue. Uh, and there's also no need for a person to stand there and take temperatures all day. Um, that can be a, uh, uh, maybe a not-so-great way to, to spend your workday. Uh, masks is, a, is another example that we can show. Again, you know, masks as it relates to COVID and masks as it might relate to, to industries like, like the chemical industry. Um, so, again, you're, you're walking in. It's real time. It's uh, counting violations uh, in a set period of time. And it's not something where you have to slow down and, and wait for the camera to send the data somewhere else. As we'll talk about in a second, all this is happening at the edge on-prem in real time. Social distancing is another big one. we got to stay... Uh, Stay six feet apart, that continues to be a best practice, and that's something that video and AI can help us out with. Now, the great thing about these solutions, like we've alluded to, is the implementation is, is very, very quick. These solutions are done. They've been built. They're ready to go. They're ready to install. So to, to talk through how you might have this really, really advanced video AI solution, let's say we want to monitor for PPE. Well, we would ship you a computer with our software already running and a camera. You would get both those devices on the network. You would mount the camera. You would connect the camera to the computer, boot it up, tell it what PPE you want to do, and you're done. You're ready to go. We're talking, you know, a couple hours work, probably including the time it takes for your IT guy to, to uh, get an IP address to some of these devices. So it's very, very fast. Um, which is good. I think everything about it is, is very, very common sense. And because there are these great dashboards ready to go, it'll be very quick and you'll get that instant gratification <laughs> about, uh, is the solution working? Can we see the video feed? 
Um, I see someone wearing a mask. Did the model catch it? Um, you'll be able to have that great outcome, that great experience really, really quickly. Now, this is really not intended to be an on-the-nose technology discussion. We did show provide this kind of architecture diagram of what this solution looks like. But everything we've been talking about thus far has included kind of the intersection of video and AI as two really hot topics that, when merged, become even more powerful. I want to add a third term here, and that term is edge. Now, if you're not familiar with the term edge as it relates to IoT and AI, we're talking about processing data at the edge of the network. So think, folks tend to think about either a, a central computing type paradigm where we're sending data to a cloud or data center in the middle of our network, or more of an edge or an on-prem paradigm where we're processing data at the source. Now, there's great, great uses for both cloud and edge. Um, Foghorn is an edge company. And the reason edge is so meaningful for a lot of these video AI solutions is if you were to run them exclusively in the cloud, you'd run into a number of problems. First and foremost, if you're going to pump one or multiple video feeds to the cloud forever, that's number one, going to consume a lot of bandwidth that will very likely slow down your network. Um, and number two, that's going to open you up to a fair amount of security risk, sending that much you know, private video feed of your premises somewhere else forever. Now, the great thing about Edge is that Edge here just means a computer that sits on-prem, probably next to the camera. That's as far as the data travels. So when we talk about real time, your latency, you can see the latency in front of you. It's just from the camera to the computer. So everything's going to happen very, very fast. I can tell you it's frustrating when I, you know, I'm sitting there waiting for my data to go somewhere else, waiting to get a result back. Like you might be in a, in a Siri environment where you maybe you don't have great connectivity. Um, video is a significant speed. It consumes a lot of bandwidth. So to move all that somewhere else takes a lot of the speed off your network. The ability to do that at the edge uh, better because you won't have to downsample the video. It can look at every single pixel cheaper. You don't have to spend a, a lot of time uh, or a lot of cost, excuse me, moving that data and storing it somewhere else. And of course, faster. So again, this is kind of what the architecture looks like. All sits on-prem. You might want to install a camera at your entryways um, to monitor for PPE as people walk in. You might want to install a camera inside your premises to start looking for hazards. Um, really up to you and the problem that you're looking to, to solve, but it's all about a computer, a camera, AI in you. Now, you know, to kind of summarize what we've talked about here, you know, we've talked a lot about video and AI, but really the message today is about this being another mechanism to ensure and enforce a, a safe workplace culture, right? The ability to always have that additional set of eyes, making sure that nothing bad is going on, that people are wearing the PPE that you've deemed required, that people are interacting with their machines and processes in a way that won't be expensive to the company and won't be you know, very dangerous and costly to them as individuals who have families to go home to. These are the types of solutions that we're talking about today. Again, the ability to use a video camera and point it towards a, a very sophisticated AI model, that's really the way that these solutions um, get enabled 
and get actioned. So I guess with that, Barry, um, I'll throw it back to you um, for any questions and feedback that the customers or the uh, potential customers that are, are, are listeners today might have. Well, thank you, Matt. Appreciate you sharing your insights with us today. I just wanted to uh, remind our audience members, if you do have a question, please feel free to click on that Q&A button at the bottom of your screen, type in your question, and tap the send button. Before we start the Q&A, I want to let everyone know about an evaluation survey that we're asking you to complete today. The survey will open in a different screen after this webinar. And your input is extremely important to us because it will help us to improve our future webcasts. Okay, so now let's get to some questions today. The first one we have for you, Matt, is one of our attendees would like to know, um, could you clarify your reporting options? Uh, obviously there are live dashboards, um, but are there other reports available as well that you can share? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So. The great thing about AI is really the hard part of AI is building that initial model, right? So if we're talking about really the workflow of, let's say, a hard hat-centric solution uh, for you know, simplicity's sake, the hard part is really, you know, how do I take a video feed and extract whether that person is wearing a hard hat or not? Now, with that information, there's an awful lot that can be done with it. We talked about this idea of a real-time view. We also talked about this idea of a centralized dashboard. Now, for in terms of what comes out of the box of this solution, there's a central dashboard that gives you a look of historical violations over time. And, you know, you can run, you know, different types of um, queries on that in terms of when the violations took place, how many took place in a, in a certain period of time. You can, you know, trend that over time. All that is kind of natively built into the software. But the other powerful piece of this is there is the ability um, via either the protocols that we support, the things that allow you to get data in and out of the software, and the SDK, which allows you to write custom protocols, it allows you to export the data into whatever um, program you see fit. So if the tools we offer natively are enough for you to be able to drive the kind of reports that you want, that's great. If you just want that data dumped somewhere else like Excel um, or another type of database, um, we can do that as well. Great, thank you for that. And um, Matt, our next question here is a really good one from uh, one of our uh, safety attendees who asks, uh, does PPE detection include the use of hearing protection, such as earplugs? And uh, what is the range of the camera field of vision detection? Yeah, that's, that's um, a couple of good questions. So in terms of the first question, um, uh, earplugs, it, it can. Um, that's something that is on the roadmap to be available later this year. Um, now, that can be a little bit trickier because that can be harder to pick up. So my guess would be when that is released, we may have some additional guidance on just the, the resolution that we're requiring to make that solution work from a camera perspective. Now, as it relates to range, um, we have you know data sheets in terms of what we're recommending uh, in terms of the camera feed. So the way we're kind of actioning these solutions today is if you want to go kind of the easy route, we've bundled up the software and the hardware, meaning the software, the computer, and the camera, 
And you can buy that off of a single SKU many, many places. And that's great because everything just works. Now, there are a number of customers who we deal with that are kind of saying, well, hey, I already have cameras installed. And the field of view that those cameras have is what I'm interested in. Um, do I have to buy your camera? And the answer is no. Uh, what we're finding is that as it relates to you know video cameras and AI, it's really all networking. And we're trying to get the, the video feed from the camera to the software and the computer. So because there are so many really nice common protocols that kind of everyone talks, um, it's easy for us to be able to say, hey, we can just connect up to your camera today. That, that's nice and easy. Now, we have some guidance in terms of the resolution and, uh, and the way that feed needs to kind of present the, uh, the field of view to the, to the software. That's something we could share with you going into product collateral and documentation. Uh, but you would have the option to use a specific camera you might already own um, if that makes it easier for you. Great. Thank you for that, Matt. We've had a couple of similar questions come in, Matt, and we want to thank Arthur and Sampson for their questions. Uh, and I wanted to ask, um, basically kind of put these two questions together. Um, one person asks about um, how easy is it to move cameras from one area to the other? And another asks, um, in a busy or fluctuating job site, for example, like in construction, how would you install cameras in a, in a place like that? Yeah, that's a great question. I guess I'll, I'll make a joke. Is the camera hard to move? I don't know. How heavy is it? <laughs> but uh, in terms of in terms of is this a difficult solution to move around from an AI perspective? No, the model's already been trained, right? And the cameras that we would recommend for a construction site would be pretty robust to um, you know outdoor lighting and glare and sunset and, and darkness and things of that nature. The only thing that would that would make it an effort is just physically moving the camera, remounting it, and potentially recabling it if you've got an Ethernet cable between the camera and the computer where our software is running. So that's really you know all you're talking about in terms of, of setup. Obviously, if you're moving it to a completely different site, you're going probably through the process of again of getting it back on the network. But in terms of the AI piece, um, that's really not the, the difficult part. Now, when you're talking about camera placement, you know, like we were kind of talking about at the end, it's all about finding the best place, the best field of view to enforce what you want to enforce. So sometimes for PPE or for something like temperature detection, just mounting a camera at the entryway is enough, right? And I think it, it, that's pretty easy to, to understand how that would get mounted. When you talk about something, a construction site that's very, very busy, um, if you want to monitor the inside of the construction site, again, it's finding a place that gives you that complete field of view um, and kind of picking somewhere that uh, can get everything that you want to get. Um, a great thing about AI is that it is expandable. So, for example, if you were on a construction site and only certain types of people um, you know, you were looking to kind of enforce um, uh, hard hats, if you will. If there was another mechanism, like did they badge in with their, you know, construction badge, maybe we were only enforcing the hard hat requirement uh, for those types of people and not for other types of people as, as a simple example. But again, it's really, you know, AI will seem magical to some people. 
And sometimes the results of it are, oftentimes the results of it are. But when you go back to why does it work, it's really all about getting the things you care about in the field of vision and letting the AI model do the rest. Sounds good. And we have another interesting question that has come in. Um, this is from Brett. And Brett asks, uh, can you share any AI examples for detecting leaks in the air? For example, a toxic plume or cloud? Yeah, that's an interesting one that's starting to come up more and more. I mean, there'd be, in our mind, there'd be a couple ways of doing it. There'd be probably chemical air quality sensors that you could feed in as an input. And there would also be video, right? So we didn't talk specifically today about foghorn solutions outside of the, of the health and safety space. And, but to give you maybe the cliff notes of that, foghorn is an edge AI software that is very good at executing complex models, the types of really sophisticated models and historically, you've run in the cloud or data center where you've had a lot of compute. Foghorn's very good at running those models on small edge on-prem computers. That's kind of the secret sauce for the company, if you will. Um, and to that end, Foghorn's uh, software and solutions have the ability to, to feed in any data type you want. So, for example, in the manufacturing space, we're oftentimes feeding in high-speed vibration data to take a look if things like palms or compressors or motors are vibrating too much, which might point uh, to the fact that they're going to fail soon, right? Now, if you could expand this to other types of sensors, things like control systems, um, historical databases, weather data you could feed in. All these things are different types of inputs, uh, badging systems, right? Now, if you're talking about, you know, different types of, of you know, hazards, if they're airborne, if there's something that can be picked up through a quality sensor, that could then be an input that's feeded in Foghorn, and Foghorn will fuse that with other data sources. For example, you might feed in an air quality sensor, but you might also have a video camera coming in. And that combination of looking at the air quality plus looking at what we're seeing visually, that might give you a really nice, robust answer in terms of if there's something going on um, from a chemical leakage perspective uh, that might need to be addressed. Great. Thank you so much for that, Matt. Uh, and Robert has a question here. He's, he asks, uh, as an edge solution, how would this work for a business model that is widely distributed over a large geographic area with limited connectivity to cellular? Yep. And that's, that's a great, great question. So a couple things there. When you're talking about a video AI solution, the most important piece to this is that you have a camera feed of the things you really care about. So if you're dealing with a construction site that's, a site that's very, very big, and we decide it's not practical to have a camera feed everywhere, maybe we're only uh, monitoring the you know, kind of ingress, egress points, and then the very, very high traffic areas. Another way of looking at that could be if you've got a very high leverage asset, maybe a crane, um, maybe underneath the crane is, is really where we care about. Um, so that's, that's kind of one way of picking and choosing where we would want the AI model to focus the attention on. Now, 
you know, you can talk about camera placement as you get higher up. You can see more and more, which is good. You also don't get to see it up close, which if you're monitoring for, say, earplugs, that might be a problem for that particular type of model. So there's a lot of kind of strategic camera placement uh, discussions that, uh, that you can have and that we're happy to, to have with you. Now, as it relates to being in very remote areas, maybe from a connectivity standpoint, so let me remind you kind of how an edge solution is, is really supposed to work, right? You hear the term edge used in the industry quite a bit. And a lot of the, the cloud players have kind of co-opted edge to mean an edge is where you send the data to the cloud. And we don't think that's what an edge solution is at its heart. An edge solution is intended to process raw data into knowledge or insights before data leaves the premises. So for example, let's say we've got a construction site in the middle of nowhere, and the best we can do is some really, really crappy GPRS connection, right? something that's uh, you know pre-3G, right? Well, if we were gonna stream video over that connection, You'd be dead immediately. <laughs> There's no way you're getting you're getting a robust video feed anywhere off prem using that connection. The great news about edge processing is that edge takes that video feed and processes it into knowledge. And knowledge can mean different things to different people, but typically knowledge does not mean we're sending that raw data somewhere else. Knowledge can mean, hey, don't send anything unless there's a PPE violation. Uh, knowledge can mean, hey, maybe just once an hour, give me a quick summary of what's going on. So we're transforming this very voluminous data into a very small, uh, much smaller metadata of actual insights. And, uh, you know, those insights can be sent to the cloud um, if need be. But, you know, if, if you don't want to do it, then all that can really just stay on-prem, which makes things a lot easier. Great, thank you for that, Matt. Uh, Carlos has a question he'd like to know. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, some worker reactions uh, when these type of solutions are implemented? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, it's all about culture, right? Is it, the big thing that we're learning talking to all these safety managers and executives. And I think the reality is that video already is a part of our lives. Um, there are some people uh, that, that don't like that, that feel like it's a little bit of a, of a big brother phenomenon. And there are certainly some labor unions, you know, we see that in manufacturing all the time, that have, you know, different sets of rules that are collectively bargained. So I think the thing to keep in mind here is that the AI itself is not, at least in terms of these solutions, is not designed to say, Matt is not wearing his hard hat. It's really designed to say someone is not wearing their hard hat. And if that's meaningful you, to you right now, then you can take a look at the camera feed or go check out the floor. Um, in terms of historical violations over time, that's pretty innocuous. You're not pointing fingers at any one person in particular. What you're doing is you're just saying, hey, this is, this is what the data says. So we don't know whether one person committed all these violations or everyone committed one violation, just gives us some kind of um, macro data to take a look at. Now, I guess on the other side of this, we do have candidly customers that have integrated facial recognition with this solution. 
And, you know, for them, they are interested in kind of getting at um, who the violator, who the offender is um, for purposes of retraining and making sure that that person um, doesn't hurt themselves. But as the solution exists today out of box, it's not about isolating an individual. It's about giving you real-time knowledge and, you know, kind of letting you decide what you want to do with that. Great. Thank you for that explanation, Matt. Appreciate that. Um, our next question comes from Alan, who asks, um, I- I'm interested in hazard detection. How do I put together a custom project? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question. So a custom project would be the case where we don't have an existing model to deploy to you for the scenario that you're trying to prevent. So it would really start off with us just having conversations. What is it that you're looking to prevent? And um, what would that look like visually? Um, To give you a sense of what AI kind of development looks like behind the scenes, it's all about coming up with examples of what we're trying to catch. So, um, you know, you can dream up some type of scenario. Maybe we're coming up with a model on, um, you know, people not jumping off of scaffolding. (laughs) Hopefully they would never, ever do that if they're above ground, but it's a pretty easy example to understand. So what we would ask for is, hey, to understand this project, you know, what does the scaffolding look like? Where is it located? Where would we put the camera? And then we would come up with examples. Now, in a really kind of, you know, easy world, PPE, We can take pictures of people wearing a hard hat and we can take pictures of people not wearing a hard hat. And for really robust models like like ours, we might take some pictures of people that are bald because a bald head might look like a hard hat. Um, Now that model is going to be really robust to all sorts of different scenarios. Now, for examples like people, you know, jumping off of, uh, of high objects, that's really dangerous. And we would not want anyone to do that for purposes of developing the model. So there's this whole kind of emerging industry around synthetic data, right? The ability to create examples that are not real. Sometimes that can be done with video game engines. Sometimes it's, you know, different kinds of Photoshopping. But we would look for a large amount of examples of people not jumping, jumping off the of scaffolding and people that are jumping off the of scaffolding. We would put all those images through an AI algorithm and we would deploy it and you would take a look and see how well it's working. So that process would probably be a few months. It would be a, a process where our AI data scientists would get involved and would just be trying to understand what it is you're trying to prevent and then trying to create a representation of that that the model can understand so that when it gets that image set in, it knows what someone jumping looks like and what someone jumping does not look like. Great, thank you for that, Matt. Um, Carlos has a question here. Uh, he's asking, uh, do your applications include detectors for noise, lightning, and ionizing radiation? Yeah, so great question. Um, so these are all things that are really key to the inputs. What are you feeding into the AI model? AI can ultimately determine anything, but what are the critical inputs? Uh, for example, Lightning, if that's something that you're looking to detect 100% visually, then that's something that can be done um, really, really easy 
easily with a camera. If there's, you know, other types of detection you're looking for, if that can be done with a camera, that's great. If we need other types of, of sensors, maybe looking at uh, electric fields, that is also something that can be done um, through feeding in uh, a new sensor type to the AI model. Great, thank you for that. Appreciate that, Matt. Um, we have one more question here today, and we have um, one of our audience members asks, uh, do you work with other systems? Uh, for example, can these solutions connect to our success control systems? Or excuse me, our yeah. access control systems, my apologies. Yeah, so the answer to that is, you know, capital Y-E-S. Um, so we have the ability to feed in any type of data you like and feed out um, to whatever other system you want to feed it out to. So, you know, if you have an access control system, we've seen that quite a bit. You might, if you detect a PPE violation or a COVID-related violation, you might have a person badge in, uh, do their visual scan. And then depending on what we find, we might turn off badge access by writing something back to that control system. Um, similarly, we can, we can um, you know, feed things in, um, whatever type of, you know, employee database you might have um, that can be fed into the software, or we can just go ahead and kind of output that result and then let the, the next system um, take a look at that information and make that decision. But this is intended to be, these are intended to be solutions that are very, very integratable um, with the systems um, that, that you have today, things like Procore and construction, control systems, PLCs um, and manufacturing, all types of um, security systems, uh, badging systems, um, all of the above. Great, thank you so much, Matt. We really appreciate you sharing all your insights and, and answering all our attendees' questions today. That's our last question for the day. Um, we do have a couple here that we will uh, we've run out of time for today, but I'm sorry we didn't get to everyone's question. But all of the unanswered questions from today will be forwarded along to our speaker. If you have a question also, uh, you can send it to the team over at Foghorn, and their address is learning at foghorn.io. That's learning at foghorn.io. And again, folks, uh, we also hope you take the time to share your feedback via our survey. And I'd like to thank our awesome presenter today, Matt King, everyone from our sponsor at Foghorn, and of course, all of you who joined us today. This ends today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. Take care, everyone, and have a safe day. Thanks.